Friends, let us listen to the word of God again. I am reading from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verses 9 to 15. I am reading actually from my favorite version nowadays, uh, Eugene Peterson's Message Bible, if you like to follow, but otherwise you are welcome to follow on your own version. That's fine too. Uh, I'm just reading from, just to make, make you known that I'm reading from the message. That night, Paul had a dream. A Macedonian stood on the far shore and called across the sea, come over to Macedonia and help us. The dream gave Paul his map. We went to work once, getting things ready to cross over the Macedonia. All the pieces had come together. We knew now for sure that God had called us to preach the good news to the Europeans. Putting out from harbor at Troas, we made straight run to Samthrace, and next day we tied up at the new city and walked from there to Philippi the main city in the part of that Macedonia. Even more importantly, a Roman colony. We lingered there several days. On Sabbath, we left the city and went down along the river where we had heard there was a prayer meeting. We took our place with the women who had gathered there and talked with them. One woman... Lydia was from Tetera and a dealer in expensive textiles, known to be a God-fearing person. As she listened with intensity to what was being said, the master gave her trusting heart and she believed. After she was baptized, along with everyone in her household. She said in a surge of hospitality, if you are confident that I am in this with you and believe in the Master truly, come home with me and be my guest. We hesitated. But we wouldn't take no for an answer. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we prepare to interpret your holy word, may the lips that interpret your word be blessed and bless our ears and give eyes to see and ears to hear and hands to act upon your holy word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Uh, I want to thank Tim, Dave, and George for giving me this opportunity uh, to share the Word of God with you uh, in this beautiful uh, sacred space, which I was there last time about a year ago. Uh, immediately after the service, I still remember that uh, we were watching the soccer match. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. So, 
it is uh, coming back again. Thank you for that. So, uh, if I may introduce a little bit about myself to a broader congregation, apart from few of us uh, here about me, so that we're helpful, I'm from Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka was in the news about a month ago, you all know, everybody hear that? Bad news. But we are recovering, we are very resilient people. We are recovering after the Easter Sunday terrorist attack. And I was just there actually, uh, not knowing this was happening, I was on my way to my daddy's funeral. And in Doha, I got a message from my wife to say that Colombo was attacked, you better take care, you know. And I didn't know, I just at the Starbucks drinking coffee and I saw, you can't hear in the Starbucks in the airports, you know, can only see. And this was true and confirmed and there were so many deaths, which was heartbroken. I was heartbroken and broken me personally and socially, country-wise, uh, personal loss, national loss. I was just right in the middle, arrived, uh, arrived there. So I felt like reading this text, it's a little bit like a Macedonian call. Come and help us. So I read through these lenses, so forgive me if I am too much into it, uh, because when I interpret this text, I, I couldn't separate my own Sri Lankan call experience. Sri Lanka, my brothers and sisters calling, come and help us. Still today, they are calling. And this is actually a fascinating text that we have. Why it is fascinating text? And from my theological learning, I have learned, studied that this is the text in the Bible that we have the very first time the gospel turning point from Asia, from Middle East to Europe. In other words, if there was no call, Macedonian call, come and help us, or if there was no Lydia, there was no European church. And there will be no United Methodist Church even. Because it was European church, Wesleyan church, Methodist church came here. So that, that transforming moment, that was really fascinating. So this, Lydia was the first convert, very first convert from Europe. So this was also the moment which changed the plans. Changed the plans. You know, we have a plan. I'm sure you can connect with me. We have a plan. Sometimes God changed the plan. Can you connect with me? Amen. 
I mean, we are great planners and controllers. We like to control ourselves and we like plan, we like mapping. What we hear in this text, it's the opposite. God change your map. Have you also experienced that in that journey? And some people can connect with me. God changed your plans and now you are in a new journey? Yes, me too. I share with you. God changed my ways. Metanoia, change. Changing plans, changing lifestyle, changing heart. This was the moment, Paul's second conversion, I would say. Paul's heart was changed. I'm going to go to this beautiful city called Philippi and I'm going to share the good news. Change his mind. And this was also the story of Lydia back again. Why I emphasize that there, that was a very male-dominated society. But very strangely, not surprisingly though, Dr. Luke in this text highlighting the women's role in that society. And she was well respected in the community. Why? She is a commerce person, a leading business person. To be a leading business person at that time, businesswoman at that time, it was not easy. Maybe even today. A woman to lead business is not easy as a man to lead business. Do you connect with me? Yes. See, we are in 21st century. It's, I mean, we are now thinking back 2,000 years ago. It was, how can you imagine, so patriarchal society. You can see uh, she is in the business. And Luke, Dr. Luke presents, has a, presents Lydia as a leading business person. And she is quite influential in that community. And more, more than that, for me, the important thing is, she was presented as a faithful person, fearful person, the person who fear God. Wasn't that beautiful? I thought, this is amazing presentation. A women leadership, the power of women in the church, in the business field, in the community. It's both. Community and church, uh, not, they don't separate in the first church like we separate today. So uh, lead, that was a very important text. I, I thought it was one of the most important uh, texts in the New Testament. And also, uh, think about this. this. All this happening, not in an easy way. This was a persecuted period. Church struggling in the context of the empire, the Roman Empire. And church was in the margins. Church was broken. And in the brokenness, they were flourishing in advancing and evangelization, in mission, they were advancing. So it's pretty much, not, as some scholars said, it's not much acts of the apostles, but it's acts of God. Acts of the Holy Spirit. So it's a fascinating text, text, a Macedonian call. So what I want to share, I just want to share just three things for you to take away. First, this Macedonian call itself. 
come over to Macedonia and help us. I want us to reflect how this, how do you hear this call today? If you are in the shoes of Paul, how do you hear this call today? I discuss this with my children and my family a bit because that is how sometimes I check whether I'm going to say whether it's relevant or not. Because sometimes not everything I say is relevant, you know. <laughs> you know, it's, preachers are like that, you know. You took too much scholarship and all this, blah, 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 it's not relevant. But I just ch check to make sure it was, it was relevant. So, like this. I'm just going to challenge us on few things. In a new way, in a fresh way. Today I hear our oceans. Crying to us and say, come over and help us. Oceans, you know, oceans are going through a struggle. Today I hear the, our beautiful God's creation environment. This cry, come over and help us. Today I hear many parts of the world which are uh, struggling for the sea rising, especially the Pacific Islands. I just met a week ago a community from the Pacific Islands in, uh, in Fiji area. You know how they are struggling. They are crying. Come over and help us. And today we hear many communities around the world and telling us come over and help us. I want you to imagine your call. You to dream like Paul. What is your Macedonian call today? Which communities cry over to you and say, come and help us. I hear the migrants, the refugees, not just at the border only, but there are millions of refugees around the world, migrants, Immigrants around the globe in this migration crisis crying over and tell us, come over and help us. I still hear there are still lands and communities who have not, not heard the gospel good news and telling us, come over and help us. I hear still there are communities in the margins of the society, margins of the empire, calling us to say, come over and help us. I want you to take this message, us to take this message, and bother us, disturb us. Did you read that prayer? I read a prayer, I don't know who wrote that. Lord, disturb us. And if Paul was really disturbed, and Lord disturb us, this Macedonian call in postmodern times that we are living in today, and modern times, and in a new way, fresh way, what communities, what part of the creation you hear this cry over, come 
and help us. Come over and help us. But we have to think another way as well. That another way would be it is not only other people call cry uh, to cry to us and say in the dream and come over and help us. It's we too need to cry over and ask help from others. Now I'm going to put the change the role. Because sometimes it's in our mentality, uh, it could be a little bit kind of building a pride a little bit. We are the ones who always try to help others. You get my point? I mean, that's, I think, it's a little bit, it's not, it's strongly challenged today in the, in, the, in the words of mutuality partnership. And we need to cry that today too. And others need to hear our cry and come over and help us. In what way we should cry? What way others should hear our cry? I feel, I, all, I still feel, America is a mission land still. Our churches are collapsing. Every day I go to my work in global ministries and my heart breaks when I see on my right side there's a church has been sold. I mean, in Sri Lanka, we never close the church. Never. We repurpose it. If this church congregation is collapsing, we repurpose it for a community center or something. We don't sell or ch close the churches. I mean, it's a sin. In this kind of society we are living in, we, we need to present our cry to God too for that people from Nigeria, maybe Sri Lanka or Korea or any other parts of the world who want to send missionaries to our land and re-evangelize us. They also hear our cry in the rapidly secularizing society. People are giving up churches. It doesn't mean they are giving up God. God is there. But our churches, are, churches need to have that cry. And maybe many other cries we need to think about in that shoes. In that shoes we need to think about what are our cries. Maybe we need a little bit of hospitality mentality, you know. We need a little bit of connecting people. We need to more friendly with people, more... Uh, Community-oriented people. That is another cry, maybe. Come and help us. So let us present our cries to God as a prayer. As we uh, make the Macedonian call today. And that's enough for the first point. Second point. <laughs> grace upon grace. When Paul went there, what I want to say is, God was already there. That beautiful. Sometimes we think, well, we are the ones taking the gospel and we are the ones taking God. Come on, no. We are only instruments and not very important instrument either, you know. Because it's a partnership. It God does the mission. Miss your day, God's mission. God is doing his work. And we join in. Like Rowan Williams says, we just join in. 
That's what happened to Paul. Did you see that? There was already a Jewish community, but they didn't have a synagogue. They only had a prayer meeting in a house. And these particular ladies, scholars, argue whether still a Jew, Jew or not. Not sure. Probably people say a Gentile from a Jewish point of view. Uh, influenced by Jews and coming to see how Yahweh is, how God is, you know, how to, what, is, what Torah is all about. Scholars argue, it's not sure whether she's really a Jewish person or Gentile. It doesn't matter. But the point is this. Text very clearly said she was a God-fearing person. And God was already there preparing for Paul to evangelize. And remember, when we go in places, when you, I know you guys are doing great work in Haiti and other places, remember, God is already there in Haiti. God is already there in Zimbabwe, in Nigeria, in Sri Lanka, in Korea, and in just your neighborhood. And this east side beautiful church has a neighborhood. There is also Macedonian call in your neighborhood, not necessarily to go all the ways that far. Sometimes, you know, I, am, I have this trouble that you, <coughs> you go in mission trips and you, uh, you try to appreciate, well, oh, there's a great, you know, Buddhist temple and we talk to Buddhist people. Uh, it's great, it's great. You go to uh, Japan and, you know, but sometimes we don't even go to the Buddhist temple uh, beside our road. That really troubles me, you know. I mean, we have a call, Macedonian call, even in our neighborhood. So find that call. And God is already there. We join in. We build into it. Third point. When Paul was there, Lydia was... Lydia invited Paul and the Paul's group, mission group, come to my home. Did you hear in the text that Paul was reluctant? It says, we hesitated, but we couldn't say no to her. She wouldn't take no for an answer. It's typical uh, hospitality. So I, what I, what I learned from this point is that there is always we have to be vulnerable at the stranger. You present yourself vulnerable so that you will be treated well. <laughs> you know, you can eat well, have good food, and good rest. That means there is always radical hospitality of the stranger. I'm going to give an example. In my Sri Lankan ministry, uh, uh, there was Pakistani refugees who started to come to our church. You know, I was serving in an urban church, and small church, beautiful church, uh, quite uh, traditional uh, church, but suddenly the Pakistani family started to come and this church was a little shocked. Because, you know, Pakistani families are so big. If one family have 10, uh, 11, 12 people. But small church like us, when they two, three families occupy, even we don't have seats. 
course, we give them the seeds, but it doesn't matter of seeds, the psychological shock. We don't know how to treat them. But in my experience, I had more issues to teach my congregation than to work with the Pakistanis, because how to welcome them. And in my experience, I still remember one particular family, they invited me to their home. They're refugees. And I visited, I did my pastoral visit, and just I share. But the main thing is their radical hospitality. Good food, good, you know, good Urdu speaking prayers and singing, and good food and good fellowship, good fun. But I couldn't understand a word of Urdu. But I was able to experience the Spirit of the Lord. That's the difference. That's the point. So you, you, you what, this, what this calls us, you are called to be vulnerable at the foot of the other, so that they could offer God's hospitality to you when you are in mission. I think that's it I have to say, and le let me call all of you to ponder, wonder, wrestle more, and be disturbed more by God's call today, a Macedonian call today to you. What is the Macedonian call for you today to this church as body of Christ and individual as Christians? May God bless you to respond to that Macedonian call to go and share God's good news of the kingdom of God. Amen.